Let's bring in Rob Almeida, joining us, Global Investment Strategist at MFS Investment Management. Uh, Rob, good afternoon. Good to have you here. There's a lot going on. There's CPI tomorrow. The ECB is joining in with the Fed, yet our dollar keeps rallying, and that, to me, is fascinating today. Any thoughts on how the market's responding to Christine Lagarde's message about getting off the zero bound? No, over the near term, there's tons of data points that the market loves to focus on. But I think ultimately what's important is the P&L of any business that you're looking at. So the way I think about th these things is everything in the world today is an input. The question is, is it financially material to the asset that you're looking at? So I think in aggregate, in response to your question, these things matter. The short version is, uh, as your prior guest was just talking about a moment ago, input costs are going up across the board. So whether it's for households here in the States, if it's households in Europe or in Asia or corporations worldwide, the cost of running your home, the cost of running your business is going higher while growth is fading. And that's not a good uh, calculus, let's say. All right, I like that. Taking the Warren Buffett approach, basically, spoken like a student of the Oracle of Omaha. So, Rob, as a global investment manager at MFS, what's that trade-off right now between the potential for U.S. earnings growth and the rest of the world? So, I guess the way I think about it is the whole world was over-earning. It was over-earning before COVID. If we think about uh, what matters, as I said just a second ago, it's profits, it's the P&L of the business. And there's a general relationship to the economy, but they're two different things, right? So GDP is a flow. Uh, stocks, earnings are a representation of wealth. And what you saw pre-COVID, and the reason this is important because it, it matters to where we are today, is that in the absence of material economic growth throughout the post-GFC years, you saw the uh, greatest margin expansion and the highest level of profitability companies worldwide had ever seen. <laughs> so if profitability wasn't coming from economic growth and revenue growth, it was coming from elsewhere. It was coming from labor cost suppression, elongating supply chains, uh, financializing the balance sheet, buying back stock, et cetera, et cetera. What happened during COVID, of course, is, well, GDP was cut by a third, revenues went down even further, and companies were still cutting costs and piling on more, more debt. So what we have today is a dynamic where companies were over-earning before COVID happened, they were over-earning through COVID. Now that the stimulus is fading, and as you just mentioned, as the cost of uh, capital rises, that makes it a tough scenario. So investors need to be uh, a lot more careful here. Uh, over the next few years than they were than they had to be over the last few. So it sounds like then prioritization of profitable businesses, growing the cash flow is going to be core. But then we come back to some of these reopened stocks where if I just look at the earnings year over year growth for an airline or cruise line, I mean, it's going to be tremendous compared to a year ago. So the earnings are going to be booming, but these stocks are, are still doing terribly. How do we kind of reconcile that? Well, I think the market's always the smartest person in the room when we're talking about the near term, right? So the market's looking through that. The market knows what was happening during the reopen. It knows capacity was taken out. It knows that uh, mm. there, there were bodies in the seat. But what it's looking at is what are future energy costs going to be? What are future food costs going to be? All those sorts of things. So it's, it's a... Uh, beautiful, incredible discount mechanism mechanism, and probability uh, assessing machine of what 
it thinks or believes is going to happen over the next six to 12 months. And that's what I think the market's telling you. And Times so it's, it's basically calling BS a little bit on the big percent growth in an airline stock because of what was going on a year ago for travel at this time. So what does stand out to your team? Anything that you guys like? I mean, where should we as everyday investors with a long term, let's say we can wait a decade on the stuff we buy today. What are we supposed to be yeah. buying? I think uh, ultimately um, you want to buy what do we businesses. Sell? <laughs> <laughs> well, bi businesses with durability. So I, I think as as an industry, we tend to focus too much on labels: U.S., non-U.S., growth, value, large cap, small cap, tech, healthcare, utilities, energy, etc. Maybe let's do away with the labels. And what are we doing? Well, what you're doing is funding businesses. And is that business going to be around? So, what's the P&L going to look like? How volatile is it? And how do you how does that compare to other? opportunities. And so maybe to answer your question directly, if you look back at every business cycle, who are the favorite customers of Wall Street? So in the 1990s, it was internet companies, TMT stocks, uh, concept companies where cash flows and profits never lived up to expectations. Then in the 2000s, it was uh, building too many homes, mortgage financing, securitization, all that went on to banks, balance sheets. What was it post-GFC? Uh, it was far more... Um, wider than just financial. So you had excessive corporate leverage being put on uh, year after year after year that was um, created by quantitative easing. So I think when we look across sectors and industries, it's time to sharpen the pencils, do your fundamental homework, and look at the business and ask yourself, and stress it, is it going to survive higher labor costs? Is it going to survive uh, tighter supply chains? Can it manage higher interest rates and higher input costs? And to the extent that it can, that business is going to look far better on the other side because it's going to have a lot less competition tomorrow than it will mm. yesterday. Seems like you guys know what you're doing. I'm looking through your uh, core funds right now, the mutual funds, and at an eyeball look, uh, you're outperforming every benchmark on the year so far. Your core equity fund only down 4% compared to the S&P's drop right now of 15% today. Your value fund is uh, basically even on the year where the main value ETF I track is down 9%. So it seems like you're in the right places for these companies to outperform. Where do you see the flows going? Can you give us a, a little insight here? What's the most popular product? Where are people putting the money right now? Uh, to be honest, I don't have an answer for that. I'd have to check okay. with our sales and marketing folks. However, I would say whatever answer I would say, I don't know if that's a good proxy because I think it's uh, – a lot of times, you know, when investors build portfolios, they have needs and they're trying to uh, identify solutions. So when I think of money coming in the door or money coming out of the door, it's less about do I want more U.S. value exposure or less U.S. value exposure. It's more about is yeah, that fits. value portfolio. Uh, uh, right, exactly right. Okay. Hey, Rob, good stuff. Really good conversation. Uh, nice uh, kickoff to our program here. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. Rob Almeida is a global investment strategist at MFS Investment Management. It's true. Top uh, eight funds I'm looking at right now, all beating their benchmark on the year.